0: Good morning. Welcome to Rochester Today, Friday morning. I'm Andy Brownell, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM, along with Bill Werner from the Minnesota News Network. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. Good to be with you, Andy. Well, oh, it's good to have you. Uh, very timely appointment we have made today. <laughs>
1: we indeed have, yeah, no question about that. Uh, the obviously the big news uh, is that the uh, United States Supreme Court has overturned the Roe v. Wade decision, um, nearly a fifty-year-old decision that uh, uh, legalized abortion, and and now the um, th- this puts everything certainly in a in a political and, and legal uproar um across the nation no question about it now here in minnesota
0: we still have a supreme court a state supreme court decision
1: that guarantees access to abortion is that that's correct That's correct yeah that's correct uh and that that's the dovey gomez decision and that came out of uh that was 1995 and came out of a challenge relating to uh, state the state paying for abortions for low-income women and essentially the, the that ruling and then the associated arguments that, that went along with it essentially said that under the Minnesota Constitution that that abortion is uh, is a legal right. Uh, so that decision remains in place now um, it's a question of, What happens then politically with that? Uh, You you have a situation where, yes, you have the Supreme Court decision in place in Minnesota, but then uh, what potentially might happen in in, in several routes? One of them would be that there could be a constitutional amendment proposed and put on the ballot to... uh, ban abortion in Minnesota, uh, essentially uh, overriding that Supreme Court decision through a constitutional amendment. That's probably a pretty tough route to go. Um, How the opinion is split in Minnesota on this, would would something like that pass? Could it even um, get out of the legislature? Certainly not the legislature in its current composition. Uh, then the other possibility uh, would be for the legislature to pass some laws uh, that would basically set up a court challenge right in other words a a law that would say okay that uh, we, we are banning abortion in some way shape or form and then you have a Supreme Court ruling in Minnesota that says well no it's not banned and then you have a court case come out of that right Uh, The chances of that in the current legislature, considering that we have split government uh, between Democrats and Republicans in the Minnesota legislature and a Democrat in the governor's office, you know, the chances of that moving forward this year before the election, uh, pretty slim. Uh, I mean, there there could be attempts. uh, There may be calls for special sessions. Would the governor call a special session to do that? (laughs) Certainly not. Uh, If a special session came up for some other reasons, which we'll talk about, you know, a little bit later here, um, uh, could could that be brought up? Well, that's that probably be a long shot as well. So, Andy, what this really then, the focus then is on November, right? And, and, and what, what happens there and what is the composition of the Minnesota legislature? Um, in other words, do Republicans continue to control the Senate or do Democrats take control of the Senate? And in the House, do Democrats retain control of the Minnesota House of Representatives or do Republicans take control? And then, of course, we have an election for governor as well. Does Tim Walz retain his seat or does a challenger, uh, Scott Jensen, the Republican endorsed candidate, win that election? And, you know, you, you can do the permutations, right? Um, if it's um, all Republican control of the Minnesota legislature and the governor's office after the fall election. I mean, you're almost certain to see uh, action uh, in, in terms of banning abortion. Um, and uh, on the other, and then you would probably see court challenges, obviously, right? If a, if the legislature passed a law, for sure, okay. yeah. I mean, almost undoubtedly, you would see that. Um, if you have a, a Democrat, if you have Republicans uh, controlling both the Minnesota House and the Senate, but you, you but Tim Walz remains governor, you've got a backstop to action there. You've got you've got veto power and, and all sorts of things like that um if you have a a republican in the governor's office and you have uh, at least democrats controlling one chamber of the Minnesota legislature a bill's never going to probably get to the governor <laughs> even if the governor's a republican you know right. so right you you can kind of see how, how this goes and and what what this tells us is that the big focus and and, and talking to the to the people on on the pro life side of the issue as well as the pro choice side of the issue what they're all saying is that this elect next election is key um in terms of how this goes and you know andy we hear that all the time right this is an important election this andy, <laughs> heard, we, we, and and we, we heard it in in 2020 with the trump versus biden contest right and and clearly it was an important election with what happened heaven knows, after uh, January 6th, okay, all right, you know, however you feel about that, I mean, you, you can't minimize the importance of that particular election and the historic nature of that particular election. This one coming up in terms of the fact, you know, it's a, it's a midterm election, uh, and, and those are generally downplayed as important in importance. Well, <laughs> not this time, uh, in, in, at least in terms of the abortion issue. Uh, and there are certainly other issues, you know, which we talk about in a bit. Um, this is going to probably, in Minnesota, I dare say, on that particular issue, probably be the most important election in many decades. Uh, just about, you know, which route, which route does the state go?
0: Okay. Um, I don't even know if you could even gauge this at this point. Yeah, right. Yeah. That, which do you, do you know? Good uh, question. Do you have a feeling of which side... Would have the advantage on this issue
1: because it is such a it 's such a polarizing issue it 's such a polarizing issue, and the problem is that you aren 't looking at abortion in a, in an isol, as an isolated case right okay it 's not the only issue that 's playing into what 's coming up in the fall elections. Um, the political scientists have studied this and they the conclusion they 've generally come to is that abortion tends to be in terms of moving votes one way or the other, that it tends to be ancillary compared to some other issues such as and what are the issues that we have on the on the plate for this election? The economy, right? Inflation, time, the problems yeah. that are and crime. Okay. So generally those issues, political scientists, their research has generally shown that those issues, those kind of issues, if they come up, they supersede, they move votes more one direction or the other than the abortion issue. All other things being equal, then the abortion issue maybe pushes people one way or the other. Um, how is Minnesota sitting on the abortion issue? I, 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 I think think, based on the polls, that, that that generally it leans away from a total ban, no conditions, okay? Uh, that, that in other words, the polls seem to indicate that, that people certainly are in favor of, of exceptions in some cases, certainly the life of the mother, uh, perhaps rape and incest exceptions, those kinds of things. Um, beyond that um, it's difficult to say you have obviously uh, uh, on one side you have people who who say uh, the right to abortion is sacrosanct Uh, we need to retain that under all circumstances Um, and then you have people on the other side who say no absolutely not under any conditions so there's a whole spectrum there and the question is of the um, uh, of the swing voters. Okay, so you got, you got the folks on the right, you got the folks on the left, or you got the liberals and the conservatives, however you want to l- label it. Uh, and, and then you have, have a, a group in the middle that is, that is kind of in that range on the abortion issue. On that, And on crime (laughs) and on the economy, they have different views. And sometimes those things don't cut the same. You know what I'm saying? In other words, a conservative on on crime might not be the same on the abortion issue. I mean, you know, you can argue that we we could probably get calls on that. Somebody say, well, you know, Werner doesn't understand this. You know, it's complicated stuff. Okay, but but it, it it can a person who lines up in, in one court on abortion might not line up on the same court on on the economy, or might be in the middle on the economy, or might be sure. middle on crime, based on where they are, where they live in the state, and all sorts of things. So say, yeah, which you know, which one of those issues is most pressing in their lives right now? That's correct. That's correct. You know, a person who is living in South Minneapolis and is hearing gunshots or. <laughs> yeah heaven heaven help us in, you know, in downtown Minneapolis, where we are here, and we hear gunshots occasionally too. Okay, uh, versus somebody who is—I um, don't know, don't—I'll just use as an example um, on the North Shore of Lake Superior. That may not be a real good example because that's kind of a liberal enclave up there in uh, in Cook County and Grand Marais. But but somebody—I um, don't know—you know in Northwestern Minnesota in Rosso. I just I just want to pick on Rosso, you know, not, <laughs> just, just, just the one that came to mind, uh, city that came to mind. You know, a person might have a diff- have a totally different experience with uh, with. A crime there than a person in center city central city minneapolis so yeah it's you know it's really the, the the question that you that you asked there andy is the key one you know how how does this split and uh, i i hope i've given folks a feel yeah, for how well, complicated an issue that is really to, de- to determine and we will find out in november uh that that is right we will find out in november for sure and okay turnout will will play a big portion in this. I I got a feeling we're going to have a pretty high turnout election for for an off uh, off-year election in November. Uh, all right. You know, we'll see.
0: Well, when we we'll take a quick break and we come back we'll talk about oh, goodness. We'll talk about what's Another happening thing. in St. Paul or not happening, I guess, in St. <laughs> right. Paul and why this is all gummed up. With Bill Werner from the Minnesota News Network when we return with Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to Rochester Today, Andy Brownell, News Talk 1340, KROC AM, 96.9 FM. It's Bill Werner from the Minnesota News Network. And our original decision to get together today was to talk about uh, what happened at the end of the session and where we are now.
1: Or what didn't happen. What the heck is going on up there in St. Paul? Yeah, that's—and, and you know, this is—I I, want to preface this with, at the end of the regular session, you know, this was a pretty meager work product that they came out with, okay? I mean, in terms of the sessions that I've covered over, well, 30 or so years, there's almost always been something more than this, even if it has been the result of a tortuous special session or even a, a state government partial shutdown, right? Uh, But what changed things this year was that we had a huge budget surplus. We have, whether we're going to have it in November, (laughs) you know, when the next forecast comes out after the election, right? Okay, remains to be seen. But at least at this point, we we have a a big budget surplus. But it's not a budget year, hence not the end of the uh, fiscal year. Hence no chance of state government shutdown if they don't come to an agreement. And that's kind of what pushed it this way, Andy. Um, and as a result, they, they did some things like um, plugged the, the hole in the uh, unemployment insurance trust fund, passed the, some bonuses for uh, uh, frontline workers, COVID bonuses, and uh, funded reinsurance to hold down insurance premiums, uh, health insurance premiums for you know a few more years. Uh, but but in terms of the budget issues, um, in terms of uh, the spending issues, education. Uh, health and Human Services, even Public Safety, which got so much attention, and the uh, the issue of tax relief, they they had kind of a tentative agreement, and the, the, the Democrats and, and and the Republicans, uh, Democrats, the governor and Republicans, managed to cobble together an agreement in terms of tax relief, which included some permanent and 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 some um, uh, and some other relief measures uh but uh they could not agree on on the spending portions and the republicans are saying well look let's pass the tax cuts and the democrats are saying no hold on a second here now <laughs> the other half of the agreement was the <laughs> was the the spending measures the what they call investments to uh, for in minnesota's future and we're not going to pass that tax bill because then we know what you guys are going to do you're just going to adjourn and then we're going to be left there holding the bag right Trust problem here, real big trust problem. Uh, and, um, and, and that's where we sit. And the governor has tried to restart this. And frankly, he's kind of coming hand in hand with this, right? Um, he can call them back, yes, but he can't say, you do this or you don't do this. Um, last weekend, he uh, revived, he sent out a trial balloon, of reviving his proposal and saying, hey, rather than $1,000 checks, uh, Walls checks, uh, $1,000 per couple, let's make it $2,000. let us send $4 billion of the surplus back to Minnesotans. And then he formalized that uh, uh, proposal uh, early this week. And, and the Republicans, it got no more traction with the Republicans in the Minnesota Senate than, uh, than when he first proposed it, uh, first proposed Walls checks uh, way back <laughs> earlier in the year. So that's well, where the whole thing sits.
0: Well, from their point of view, I mean, once you put the name Walls checks on it, right. it, it there's nothing
1: attractive
0: for the Republicans to approve there because he gets all the mileage out of it
1: yeah and even you know and then the governor has backed off of using the moniker walls checks he says well minnesotans are going to call them gas checks well you know gasoline prices uh and not political gas bagging (laughs) like like we're we're doing a lot of at the legislature i'm not accusing just the governor of that okay all right and and that's true but it's still once you put the walls check moniker on it you can't take it off right I mean, you know, people are going to say, yeah, okay, you know, he, he might not get the check. Like we got the Trump checks, right, that said, you know, this is from President Donald Trump, right, okay? Uh, you know, the the stimulus checks, right? We didn't get those with Biden, but it's the same kind of thing, right? Even if it's not printed on there, this is Governor Walz's, ta- you know, this is the tax re- uh, re- rebate that Governor Walls signed into law. Even if that's not printed on the check, it's still still in people's minds, and certainly it's in Republicans' minds. They say, uh, and, and $4 billion is the number that, that the governor is talking about sending back. Um, Republicans say, um, no, we, we want $8 billion, and we want it in permanent tax cuts. Um, $8 billion you know, there's all this number thrown around about $10 billion or $12 billion of the budget surplus. The, the, the governor's office says there's about $7 billion of it remaining after you plug the hole in the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund and did reinsurance and did the COVID bonuses for frontline workers. There's about seven, and we got about five of it actually in the bank, okay, at this point. And so they're proposing, okay, let's send four of that back. Uh, rep- Republicans are saying, we want to send $8 billion of it back. They're anticipating, you know, that this is going to continue and, and get, put some additional money in the bank for the state of Minnesota. Permanent tax cuts. So I asked uh, Senate Republican Majority Leader Jeremy Miller, okay, why, what about splitting it 50-50, right? They split it a third, a third, and a third in the original deal they did that they rolled out back in early May. Well, what about half and half? In other words, half for permanent tax cuts and half for... Walls well, checks. I mean, not, don't, you know, they wouldn't call it that, obviously. And he said, well, we're open to, any, to talking about anything. However, he says that if you have a rebate check, like the governor's proposing, that it's subject to federal income tax. Governor's office says no. Uh, this is beyond my pay grade in terms of accounting, in terms of tax <laughs> accounting, right? Okay, so if somebody asks me, who's right on this? I don't think I can answer that question, uh, ex- except to say that the two sides don't agree. And so therefore that's a, there's another roadblock to doing this. So, you know, there we are.
0: And you uh just as an observer down here yeah. uh miles and miles away from the actual state capitol, The vibe I'm getting is that the Republicans are feeling fairly confident
1: about November. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. for them, why not wait? Yeah, that's right. Um it it's a it's kind of a question of do you get some sort of a tax some sort of tax relief but it's not all you want it's not as large as you want the mix isn't what you want right it's not all permanent tax cuts um you know they haven't really i think said this argument with with their base but i think you know the i think it's a pretty easy one to make to the base where you say well now look okay you know we, we would have only gotten a fraction of what we wanted so let's let's keep our eye on the prize, which is November. Try to take control of both uh, the Minnesota, have control of both the Minnesota House and the Senate at the end of this, plus the control of the governor 's office, and then you 're going to see a big Kahuna of attacks cut now, now permanent now the only question here, Andy, is okay we we don 't know how much of a surplus we 're going to have in November uh, and the next economic forecast will come out conveniently enough after the next after the election probably late November early December will tell us do we still have this surplus has it has it gone away uh, at least some of it has part of it evaporated what's the outlook how are we doing on inflation all these kinds of things um, and, and it so you know, I think voters need to be very careful. I don't, forgive me. I don't want to tell voters what, to, what to, to do because voters are, you know, they're smart and they can figure all this out. It, it, as an analyst, it seems to me the question needs to be both sides are going to make promises, right? Uh, Republicans are going to make promises. They're going to say, we're going to give you all the surplus back. And Democrats are going to say, we're going to give people who need a tax cut, we're going to give you a tax cut back, plus we're going to make investments in Minnesota. Those are going to be the promises going into the uh, into the election. And I think folks need to keep in mind how much money are we going to have in the surplus, that that's not a certain thing. Maybe I'll be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we have a $20 billion surplus in November. I, I doubt it, you know. Okay. <laughs> But you know I, I, that's something folks should keep in mind. These promises could be made, and it might not even be even though the even though certainly people are making the promises in good faith and they intend to carry them out. It may not be possible for them to carry them out if the surplus is not there or not there in the amount that that we currently have.
0: We shall see so again. Once right. again, we have to wait for November. Uh, that's right. Really All quickly, though, on that. because we do have to run. Do you see yep. any chance? Of them coming to an agreement that would allow the governor to call a special session before the election,
1: I think it's very a very slim chance. Okay, uh, I think if if for some reason something comes out of the blue, either on the crime front or uh, or something else uh, economically, maybe, uh, but i i just i don't see it in the cards and watch me be wrong you know <laughs> uh, i think there are some things that uh, you know and some of us have talked about this behind the scenes and off air i I'm, you know I, I probably shouldn't comment on it publicly uh but but there are potentially some things the governor could do tactically to move the needle more his direction uh however you know we have to see what he does
0: all right well we
1: will have to chat
0: again as this all progresses towards the election, Bill. As we always, I enjoy uh, your insight into what is happening here in the state of Minnesota politically. And uh,
1: until the next time, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Always a pleasure to be with you, with you, all the folks in Rochester. You know, I can can try to explain this in a convoluted manner. And your listeners, I know, are, are very smart and can untangle it all. So thank you. Okay. <laughs> it's Bill Werner. With the Minnesota News Network
0: this morning, Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning and welcome back to Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I'm Andy Brownell, and it is time again for our Destination Medical Center update. And joining us, DMC Executive Director Patrick Zeb. Good morning, Patrick.
2: Hey, it's great to be here, Andy. Thank you. <laughs>
0: I appreciate you taking the time to provide us, um, I guess, a little bit more of an insight into what's happening with our city as we continue the DMC process.
2: Thank you. And, and there's a lot going on, for sure. Yes, there space.
0: always always is a lot going on. But uh, since the last time we talked, um, it came as a surprise to myself and many that uh, one of our major hotels in downtown Rochester over the next year will be converted from a hotel to student housing for University of Minnesota Rochester maybe um could you maybe comment uh, comment on the impact that will have on DMC and our downtown area?
2: Yeah, I I was thrilled to learn about this um new idea that emerged, uh, certainly had been worked on between the university and, and the owners of the Doubletree, Titan, Titan um, around the idea of repurposing the hotel into student housing. And, you know, we are so fortunate in Rochester to have a university, a four-year university, in the downtown with a student body that is continuing to grow. And you can't say that about very many universities today. University of Mount Rochester continues to grow. They were in dire need of additional student housing in order to continue that growth, and this idea of 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 reusing a hotel for student housing, I think, reflects on the innovation of its leader, Chancellor Lori Carroll, and because a lot of place, a lot of people would look for student housing to be purpose built, to be built specifically for students, and this, this approach. Reusing uh, uh, the hotel means it'll be online faster. Students will be able to move in and, and start enrolling here in Rochester more quickly. And it, reutil- it you know reuses something that perhaps um, wasn't fully occupied at this time during the bit of downturn we've had with, with travel and with some new hotels that have come online here in Rochester. One of the advantages I thought of as we were
0: discussing this as a group was that uh, thinking of traditional dorms usually had the communal shower restroom area and each one of these rooms
2: will have their own restrooms at least. That's right. That's right. I think it's a fabulous uh, approach. And and again, it, it reflects the innovation in Rochester and with the University of Minnesota, Rochester. And by the way, if you want to address the cost of, of, um, college education. It's things like innovating around how you do your student housing. It's the work they're doing at UMR to accelerate students through to finish their degree, perhaps in three years rather than four years, get out of school in in the workforce. Um, it's, It's really quite incredible. And by the way, having a university means young people are moving to Rochester and people and families whose 18-year-olds are graduating from college, they now have a great local option. I mean, of course, RCTC and, and others, but uh, University of Minnesota adds yet another important option to keep our 18-year-olds and to bring more 18-year-olds into Rochester who ultimately become potentially lifelong citizens. And the,
0: since the addition of UMR, it's, it's already had an impact downtown seeing the younger people constantly there because they live downtown i imagine you add that many more young people it will have that much more of an impact
2: yeah it's uh it's quite wonderful watching move-in day with the families and and young people moving in and many of them uh, take jobs part-time jobs in the restaurants and, and retails retail shops and they're out and about in our community and it's a really wonderful um part of the fabric of our city
0: and i know one of the other things that's been well, it's been a constant since TMC began as initiative, an initiative, but work taking place, downtown construction work, and this year especially notable because of the reconstruction of so many sidewalks. What's happening with that?
2: Yeah we're we're really pleased the uh, idea of uh, refreshing many of the downtown sidewalks replacing the sort of 1980s uh, inlaid brick sidewalk sidewalks that have been deteriorating had been on the city's agenda DMC supported it to uh, provide the resources for that and but what i'm really excited about Andy is that um, as we are doing more and more construction there is a real intentionality to make our downtown still open for business so to your listeners if you're thinking about checking out the downtown construction shouldn't get in your way Granted, there's some signs that may redirect you, but the sidewalks are open, the um, storefronts are open, and that's part of the design of our construction process is to make it easy for people to continue using the businesses while construction, the necessary construction, is going on. And so I would just encourage your listeners, uh, come check it out, watch the city as it's going through these improvements and enhancements, and then maybe – You know, a shout out to the construction workers who are there in this 90 degree weather doing their work, doing it with the the best intentions possible to contribute to the vibrancy of the city. And they are doing they are doing a great job. And we've asked them to really step up their game in terms of, again, how they make the downtown accessible, even while construction is going on.
0: It'll be uh, I'll be the first to say it'll be nice to get rid of the busted up bricks that have been there for so long.
2: Well, Andy, you won't be the first to say it. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine
0: not. Uh, Last time we talked, Patrick, um, you had just received word of an expansion of the Main Street Grant program. What's What's happening with that right now?
2: Well, the first round of the, the Main Street Grant Program is a program that was initia- initiated by the Minnesota State Legislature and the Governor, and uh, just a acknowledgement to our local legislators who all supported this idea of providing uh, state resources into local communities to help uh, refresh the main streets coming out of COVID and coming out of the impact of the pandemic. And so uh, we are. Um, uh, Providing stewardship of, of uh, $3 million of funds. The first round of applications, and by the way, applications are open uh, every month um, for the next 12 months, but the first month of applications, we, we saw 19 applicants. Uh, We're just in the review process right now to determine which ones best match the criteria and are ready to go. Um, But we expect to um, start getting that money out the door into the hands of property owners and business owners who are recovering from the pandemic, maybe refreshing the way their business looks or operates, um, the kinds of things that are necessary to to be successful in a sort of post-pandemic environment.
0: So we're going to see every month a new round of grants going out the door. From what you're telling
2: me, yeah, I, that's our that's our strategy. Okay. And the, and the idea is to like meter it out so that businesses that are just getting their ideas together and their business plan together can uh, be eligible, and the money there will still be money available um, over the next twelve to. Eighteen months, so that they can access some portion of these funds, and and so these might be grants of ten thousand, or twenty thousand, or two hundred thousand. Um, there's a matching requirement, a lot of criteria, and and, and anybody who um, is interested should check it out at dmc.mn.
0: Okay, very good. Go to the website. And this is for existing businesses. Are are we starting to see as some of the construction gets wrapped up in some of the areas downtown, some new? new entrepreneurial activity
2: well we're, we've been seeing even throughout the pandemic we have been seeing uh, new businesses moving into the downtown most recently uh primp just reopened on peace plaza and opa which is a, uh, a greek restaurant love uh, opa the <laughs> opening in the location of uh, former max in on, on peace plaza uh there's a new coffee shop on sergeant's um, uh, greenhouse on second street uh cafe aquai and i so there's just a, a lot of of uh kind of energy and and spirit out there around people uh, wanting to um uh, be a part of the uh, kind of re-energ- reenergizing that's happening uh coming out of the pandemic
0: yeah that's you i you kind of mentioned what i was going to bring up that so much that pandemic affected everything. I, I, it's well, it's one for the history books, as they'll say, that it'll take us a long time to come to a reckoning on just how much damage it did to us. So it's wonderful to see, um, as you pointed out, a regenerative, you know, re energizing of an area and brand new and, businesses opening and the ones that exist there hopefully thriving again.
2: Yeah, and not to minimize the impact that anybody has felt locally, and, and certainly um, many businesses have, and, you know, we're seeing an adjustment in the workforce and who's working downtown and who's not, and that's affecting um, businesses and their business model. But I will say this, Rochester, when I talk to colleagues in other cities across the country, Rochester has fared so much better than many other communities because of uh, the incredible leadership. Um with Mayo Clinic and and the and the um, mayor and city council and the business community rallied together, worked out solutions. It wasn't always easy, and it's not you know hasn't been without its without its pain, and uh, and we're not done with it yet. You know, we're still navigating through what the what the new reality looks like. But absolutely, um, we see. I think. In many ways, Rochester can be a model for the state and the and the rest of the country in terms of how it has addressed this very challenging environment. Another question for you, Patrick.
0: Um, there's discussion now about what will become of Soldiers Field Memorial Park and Golf Course. Is Destination Medical Center involved in that process?
2: Uh, well, so Soldiers Field... Um, You know, a lot of people, (laughs) uh, we we talk about the need for uh, more green space in our downtown. And in fact, we have 150 acres uh, in our downtown. It just doesn't feel that way. And so part of our work is to connect our downtown to Soldier's Field. And very few cities of our size um, have that kind of access and proximity to something as uh, wonderful as Soldier's Field. And yeah, there is a... by the way, that means, like, first of all, let's connect to it. Like, let's make it more readily accessible. So if you're a downtown worker or a, or a, a patient or a visitor, you find it easy to get to Soldier's Field. Um, uh, and now there is a, a rethinking or of how to refresh Soldier's Field, uh, emboldened by the resources that have been provided because of the local um, local support through the uh, parks referendum and then some federal support. DMC and its board has uh, signaled a real interest in supporting the Soldiers Field um, refresh. And so we sort of stand ready for to hear from the city about what direction it wants to go and how DMC can be helpful. I would say our involvement, Andy, is really more of One, making sure that we are connecting to Soldiers Field, connecting the downtown to Soldiers Field. So Discovery Walk as a new sort of pathway that connects our downtown to Soldiers Field. And then uh, really uh, interested in how the the city arrives at its its choice about what direction it wants to go, aquatics and Natural areas and golf and all of the things that make for uh, a great public space. We're looking forward to how that um, evolves and, and comes forward.
0: You mentioned the connection with Discovery Walk. Um, maybe as an update, I I know there's going to be heated sidewalks. How how far to the south will the heated sidewalks sidewalks run?
2: Um, it'll the the snow melt system in the sidewalks will go from. Um, Soldier, uh, rather from Second Street down to Sixth Street, so okay. uh, really run that whole corridor right up to um up to Sixth Street, where and then across Sixth Street you enter Soldiers Field.
0: Okay, well get you get you there without any
2: chance of slipping
0: three quarters of the way at least. <laughs>
2: yeah well I mean that's yeah that's um that that's right I mean that we saw how effective it was last winter in Peace Plaza, where the snowmelt system is in through the entire sidewalk system of peace plaza and and that was very well received somebody oh, told me somebody told me it's becoming a new favored running path uh running uh, through the downtown on the on the um on the snowmelts the sidewalks that have snow snowmelt system because uh, it's a good way to get your winter run in uh, with less fear of of slipping. <laughs> unintended Only- unintended consequence.
0: Yeah, that would be a Minnesota perspective for sure. That's,
2: <laughs> that's right.
0: I could run on it in the winter. <laughs>
2: that's right. All right, uh,
0: Patrick. I appreciate the update and your time as well, and I look forward to. Uh, Getting together next month for another update on what's happening with uh, DMC in Rochester, Minnesota.
2: Well, we sure appreciate the opportunity and and, uh, the audience with your listeners, Andy. It means a lot to us. Thank you.
0: Well, very good. Patrick Sieb, the Executive Director, Destination Medical Center,
1: on Rochester Today. New Stock 1340, KROC AMN 96.9 FM.